0: Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, May 12th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. A bill to create a registry of foreign actors will come this summer or this fall, designed to help prevent foreign interference. Maxime Bernier is officially running for a seat in the House of Commons in a by-election in Manitoba. They are fake conservatives. You know, Poliev, uh, his goal is to uh, split the Liberal votes in the big uh, uh, cities like Toronto and Vancouver is going to the left. And if you want to have a, a real pro-family, conservative voice, we are there, the PDPC, and, and I'll be, I'll, I'll fight for them, I'll fight for family values and for common sense. And Anita Anand announces measures to deal with sexual misconduct in the military. Since becoming minister, I have said that my top priority is to ensure that we have a Canadian Armed Forces where everyone who puts on a uniform can do so with the protections and the respect that they deserve when they are serving our country. Joining us is Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Good morning, Bob.
1: Good morning, Julie.
0: Nice to uh, be with you this morning and lots to talk about. This foreign registry the government wants to proceed forward with, what's it about? How will it work?
1: Uh, well, this is an, an important tool uh, that has been used by the United States and by Australia and is also being examined by, by Great Britain to deal with um, people who um, act on behalf of a foreign government and are paid by them, but they don't declare it. And uh, it's, uh, it's primarily aimed at, you know, former politicians or former civil servants or uh, law firms or groups, people who uh, uh, speak out in, in favor of policies of, uh, let's say, the Chinese government, but they don't declare it. Mm-hmm. But it's more than that. Uh, it can get people who uh, are doing uh, illegal acts, the police stations, for example. In the United States, they charge two um, Uh, uh, two people with uh, setting up these police stations Mm -hmm. and they did it under the um the foreign registry act in the united states uh, because they never declared that they were working on behalf of the chinese government and so there is real teeth to this it's not just you and i you know say you were interviewing i don't know uh, a politician a former politician and he was Talking about how great China is, and you could say, "Well, now I know why you're doing that because re- you're registered as being paid to do so." But right. there would be other instances where they they could be uh, acting on behalf of the state, monitoring uh, citizen uh, Chinese uh, Canadian dissidents, or doing something that um, that kind of nefarious on behalf of a, a mm-hmm. of a of China or of another foreign state, and then they could. Charge you for doing so if you didn't register. So it's a it's a really significant um, uh, tool, but we don't know whether the Canadian government, the Trudeau government, is going to go as far as the United States and Australia and how they ever drafting the legislation. I mean, they've been pretty weak need when it comes to dealing with foreign interference, particularly from China. And it's difficult. So, I, you know, I'm I'm skeptical until I actually see the legislation to see whether they are actually going to have some real teeth in this legislation, because I think it would be really important in sending a message to people to be really th- think carefully if you're going to be trying to act, uh, do things in terms of foreign interference or um,
0: try to help the Chinese
1: government out and you don't declare it.
0: So it's an interesting point you make that if you don't register, because let's face it, if you're up to no good, you may not want to register, right? But if you don't register, like you say, in the US, where I think they've had a registry since 1938, or something like that a long time, um, then you there could be penalties. So you'd want to be looking at the penalties and so on. So um, uh, just a quick question here about, is there a downside to it? Because I guess we were hearing concerns that maybe people might end up on there and might be targeted. I wasn't sure about what the concerns were, but have you heard of concerns about the registry?
1: Well, the only person who seems to be raising this is uh, Senator Paul, you, uh, uh, um, who, um, who has, you know, a longstanding reputation of being, Uh, more sympathetic to the Chinese government's views Mm -hmm. and uh, but he's principally the only one who's been out there saying this because even people in the Chinese Canadian community have been the ones who've been the loudest in saying in testimony before House of Commons committees that we need a registry. We want this. this.
0: We want this this because we want
1: to protect ourselves from people who are trying to to intimidate us uh, on behalf of China.
0: Right, so Bob, I, I want to move on to. Uh, you've got a front page story in the Globe and Mail today. Am I surprised? No, um, that uh, the diplomat that's being tossed out persona non grata tomorrow was uh, on the radar for quite a while. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, these uh, we, sources have told us that um, Zhao Wei, who uh, is the uh, China consul official mm-hmm. in Toronto um had been on the CSIS radar um for for the past 3 years he came to canada in two, 2018 and by 2019 CSIS has been began physical surveillance of him uh, because uh they they believe that he was a, a an intelligent actor who was um, trying to gather information on a, a Uyghur activist um mm-hmm. You know Falun Gong practitioners, uh, people who are supporting uh, Taiwanese Taiwan and uh, Tibetan independence, mm-hmm. um, as well as obviously Hong Kong democracy activists. And he and uh, other um, his proxies were, were taking pictures of them. That the, when they do protests, they're gathering intelligence on them, uh, trying to find out their identities, taking pictures and all that sort of stuff, and then sending it back to the Chinese secret police mm. and. And he was also uh, his part of his job was also to try to, um, you know, make get close to uh, MPs in the Toronto area, and uh, to try to uh, influence or become friendly with um, aides to, um, particularly constituency aides to uh, members of Parliament. Uh, In one case, uh, Caesar's apparent had uh, observed him meeting with the. The constituent assistants for international trade minister, Mary Nang, um, one of the people close to her said, look, I mean, he was going to all these Chinese Canadian events and uh, the assistant ran into him as a lot of people would have. And that's another thing is this guy was always going to a lot of almost all, all the time going to Chinese Canadian community events where he could mingle with politicians and mingle with their staff and try to, uh, you know, win favor with them, influence them, uh, as well as uh, doing this with other members, senior important members of the business community. So he was a real a real operator, and they've known about him for a long time. This information was passed on to Global Affairs. Global Affairs had to know this uh, as a matter of course because they're dealing with uh, a diplomat like him, and they need to know what he's up to. So, uh, you know, Whether this information ever went up higher to the foreign affairs minister, it certainly was shared also with Privy Council office, but whether any of this information on him was shared uh, higher up at Echelon, I don't know. As you know, the prime minister keeps saying, nobody told me.
0: Right. So the bottom line is this guy was on the radar, so it kind of begs the question, he's being kicked out tomorrow, but I guess some would ask, uh, you know, why didn't you move sooner, right? Didn't you well, kick? that's that's what yeah.
1: that's what the conservatives are saying. Uh, Michael Cooper, uh mm-hmm. who as as you know has been leading the charge on this in, in the House of Commons committees, saying the guy should have been uh, kicked out a long time ago,
0: yeah, uh,
1: because they had a file on him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, now, in fairness to the government, they wouldn't have wanted to do anything on him until the Michaels were freed.
0: Well, that's a the good Mich- point. Yeah, and the
1: Michael Michaels would not were not freed until uh September 2021. Yeah, but clearly that's, there was, after that period of time, there was no reason in the world why they couldn't have uh, Mm -hmm. removed this guy for the activities he was taking. But again, yeah. that's a very important
0: point that the two Michaels would have been overshadowing a lot of things, uh, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, look at politically, there's lots of other news uh, today. Let's move on to Maxime Bernier. You know, we knew him from the Boats for a long time in his Quebec riding. He lost that. He's the head of the People's Party. Um, he's jumping into the race to get a seat in parliament in Candace Bergen's old riding in Manitoba. What do you make of that?
1: Well, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't. I mean, he's picked a riding um, that is rural. Uh, it's very conservative, and um, they. It's very possible that you know it's also francophone, or, or it's got us a, a, a francophone significant francophone component to the riding. So. I mean, he's gambling here that his right wing populism and his language, his French speaking ability might be able to have him to be able to win the writing. I don't know whether that's possible, Julie. Uh, That has been a a conservative writing forever. And, um, you know, and, and Candace Bergen, as you know, was very, very popular and she will whoever I don't know. I don't know the person who's won the nomination. Well, it's someone sure who
0: that... ra- someone who ran her campaign, and uh, I... and Candace Bergen. Like the last time I looked, uh, when she won that riding, she won by like fourteen thousand votes. So, that's a very yeah. conservative riding. And you know, Maxine Bernier. I I talked to him last night, and he said, "Yeah, but you know, they're fake conservatives. Pierre Poilievre and all the conservatives. <laughs> they're fake <laughs> conservatives. And you know, they mince around words and." Uh, You know, he's he wants to reopen the abortion debate. He's got his own ideas on immigration. Um, You know, he's uh, much to the right of Pierre Polyev. So depending how far he goes, is that going to push Pierre Polyev to the right? Uh,
1: I don't I don't think so. Um, I think I think that um, Polyev has, has shown himself to be conservative enough. And he's, he's, he's a real populist. And, mm-hmm. um, and look how he won the leadership. I mean, he just blew everybody away, right? So I, I don't think that this time around that Bernier is going to be much of a threat to the Conservatives um they they you know at the last election campaign they didn't win any seats but they did pick up five percent of the vote which uh did have an impact in some writings i think that in 22
0: he says 22 percent in that writing he's running in in manitoba he said his party picked up 22 percent of the vote so i think that's why he picked that riding. right yeah but he's 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 further to the right of probably yeah, there's no but, doubt about yeah
1: that. and but the, and the times are different right i mean Part of the the popularity, even though they didn't win any seats the last time, was COVID. They jumped yeah, on the COVID bandwagon. Right. but so did uh, so did uh, uh, Pierre Polyev in the leadership campaign. And so I just don't see I don't see him doing very well uh, this time around. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. I think that I they can put uh, Polyev in the window and say, "Look, this guy's a real conservative," and so vote for the real person that might have a chance of winning in government. I mean, he obviously he'll he'll he'll, he'll attract some um, ex- extremist members, but um, I just don't think he's a threat this time.
0: Well, we'll touch <clears> briefly <throat> on Rick Peterson because he uh, ran for the leadership. He's trying to start <laughs> another party called uh, I think it's called uh, Center Ice or Center the Center right. right Party. Or anyway, he's trying to say, look, there's no home. For the progressive conservatives, you know, like the Joe Clark conservatives, the Brian Mulroney, who are fiscal conservatives, but not social conservatives. So that might be thrown into the mix, too, like a whole kind of big bouillabaisse of different conservatives.
1: Yeah, but again, you know, it's Rick Peterson has no traction. Nobody knows Mm -hmm. who he is. He's run numerous times and always loses, and nobody would even know who he is. There is nobody there that would support him uh, that would be a viable candidate. And mm-hmm. if you're going to create a new party, you need to have somebody who um, is a really good speaker, is yeah. really good uh, campaigner, has got good ideas. And yeah. this sounds to me like um, a, something that one day wonder, I just don't mm-hmm. see it being realistic.
0: But it is a point though, Where where do the progressive conservatives go, right? <clears throat> They're not going yeah. to go to, they don't, they don't want to go to Justin Trudeau if they're ticked off at Pierre Poilievre like a lot of them would say they don't have a home. Where do they go? Right. No, so. I,
1: no, that's true. I mean, it, it, you could have people perhaps vote for them to, as a, to throw their vote away, but
0: yeah. Um, yeah. So that'll be I, interesting to watch just, okay. We'll look at, let's move on to, Uh, national defense, because Anita and Ann yesterday, she's giving us updates on what's going on in terms of trying to fight uh, sexual misconduct in the military. She, um, you know, she's going by what Louise Arbor recommendations that were given, because we've seen a lot of issues and including, you know, even the top dogs like General Vance have to step down over issues of um, misconduct. Um, So she she said yesterday, one thing that they're going to do is try to cover the uh, legal expenses of people who are are suing somebody or taking someone to court in the military. But you and I were both noticing uh, another thing they're considering about alcohol. So what's that about?
1: Yeah, Lieutenant General uh, General Jenny. Kerrigan, if I'm pronouncing her right. She's probably
0: catignan if she's it could be carrying. I don't know if she's English or French, but anyway, it's young but we'll just yeah, yeah. Go for so it.
1: she she she's in, in in charge of changing the culture uh, of the Canadian military. And she's saying one of the things that they are looking at seriously is um you know limiting the alcohol consumption uh on, on bases. Um like duh.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I mean Double this duh. is where... This is where, uh, uh, in fact, most of the sexual assaults happen because people are inebriated or you know, mm-hmm. have, have drunk too much. And there is a precedent for this. Um, Mark um, Norman, Norman, who was the, mm-hmm. the commander of the Canadian Navy, had banned uh, drinking on Canadian ships because guess what? 90% of the incidences uh, on, the, on the ships were caused when people were drunk uh and yeah. it, it did not make him very popular because there'd been a tradition you know on the navy of being able to drink um and be given uh, drinks on on while, while you're working uh and he put a stop to it and i think that's made a big significant difference so yes it does seem to me like that makes a lot of sense as you and i know uh you can't work you can't Drink at uh, at at CPAC. Um, We can't do the same thing at the Globe and Mail. No,
0: but as you know, Bob, for years journalists went to the press club. Not me. I was too busy. But oh yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) No, like like I was on a daily, like an hourly deadline. But I'm no. I'm just saying, and and then they get sloshed and somehow produce great copy. but but yeah as my mother would say you know at two in the morning when you're sloshed you're not making smart choices so your mom
1: is absolutely right <laughs> <laughs> let's so, put your mom in charge yeah let's get her
0: she'd, in charge
1: seven kids and the monkey
0: <laughs> yeah and a monkey we won't get into that but um <laughs> uh yeah so i mean that's that's something interesting to watch and i noticed uh That um, uh, Mr. Uh, Michel Drapeau, who takes on a lot of these cases, he said a lot of the cases he takes on of people who've been assaulted have Mm -hmm. had booze involved, right? So,
1: yeah. But you know, and the other thing, aside from which I think is a good idea uh, in terms of reducing alcohol consumption, but uh, the other thing that that the the minister and Anne was saying is that they're um, moving as fast as they can also to transfer as many of these sexual assault investigations mm-hmm. from uh the military police to uh civilian police yes. which is really important because yeah. we've seen over the last year or so as, as the scandal unfolded that the military police were fine going after uh lower rank members uh but when it came to uh generals and colonels and generals uh and admirals well my goodness they didn't seem to uh, be so hard in, in, yeah, in I mean, investigating so this is, I think, a really important thing because when, when you live, work in an organization and you see everybody else who get have been accused of sexual assault being investigated by the military police, but the top guys are doing the same thing and they're not getting investigated.
0: Or right, so they, you shifted to civilian court and she, you know, that's been mentioned for sure, although civilian courts are kind of uh, overburdened themselves with with yeah. cases, but for sure, take it out of the military realm, so... Um, Bob, uh, I look forward to speaking to you in the near future, and uh, that was great, and have a great day. You too. And we'll talk to you soon. That's Robert Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for The Globe and Mail. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. At Policy Options, Oliver Boucher considers countering China's economic coercion by building on a European initiative. He writes... In an April speech to the Peterson Institute for International Economics, Christia Freeland proposed that a wide group of allies adopt a measure similar to the European Union's anti-coercion instrument as an insurance policy and a deterrent against China's economic coercion. Canada and its allies should do so by creating an economic security pact that constrains retaliation within the principles of restraint, proportionality and engagement, As long as the World Trade Organization's appellate body remains in crisis and reforms remain elusive, an economic security pact, if designed according to the principles of restraint, proportionality and engagement, is a tenable substitute. Canada should seize the opportunity at this month's G7 summit in Japan to garner high level support for such a pact among Canada's allies." In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues Alberta's own Tea Party movement is a deeply troubling development. He writes, more than a decade ago, American conservative politics were fundamentally altered thanks to a small but effective group of activists who didn't see their values represented in the Republican Party. It's now generally accepted that the movement radicalized the Republican Party, which in turn gave rise to Donald Trump. Now we look to Alberta and a group that is having a Tea Party-like effect on conservative politics in that province. Take back Alberta. It is recognized that this group exercises enormous influence and control over Alberta's ruling United Conservative Party. Alberta now has its own Tea Party crusade, and its potential to reshape politics in the province should concern everyone. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. Officials from the Prime Minister's Office in Global Affairs Canada will hold a background briefing for the media in advance of the Prime Minister's visit to Korea and Japan. Deputy Prime Minister Chrystia Freeland will attend the G7 Finance Ministers and Central Bank Governors' Meeting in Nagata, Japan. The leader of the People's Party of Canada, Maxime Bernier, will make an announcement in Portage-La Prairie regarding the upcoming portage lisger by-election. Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault will speak about Canada's environmental diplomacy at the Montreal Council on Foreign Relations. In Vancouver, International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan will announce support for pre-arrival settlement services for newcomers. Fisheries Minister Joyce Murray will make an infrastructure announcement in Burnaby, BC. And Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will visit Dalhousie University in Halifax to highlight a large-scale research initiative as part of the 2022 Canada First Research Excellence Fund. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, May 12th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.